Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, really good to see you all. Um, good morning to those that are watching um, in different homes all over, all over the, the galaxy and uh, all over Wellington. But it's really good just to be together and just a, a very sweet time. And we just hit something of the Lord just in worship. And uh, this morning, what I want to do, I, I'd love to share the Word of God with you. So even as you've been fixing our eyes on Jesus, it's not that we've now taken our eyes off Jesus. In fact, we continue to look at Him through His Word, right? And anyone who's preaching God's Word is never called to preach his own Word or his own opinion. Uh, far be it that anyone who's a leader or an elder or pastor in church should ever preach their opinion. We should always base whatever we're doing upon Scripture, upon the Word of God. And so my heart this morning is that I want to point you towards what he is saying, not towards what I am saying. Uh, we never build around the, the gifts of man. Uh, we, we build around the person of Jesus. And so just that we know that, that you know, we don't like, stop worshiping and now we, we look to me in a sense. We keep looking to what God is saying through his word. And one of the things that makes us distinct as his people is that we actually take this book. We're a people of the book and we're people of the spirit. And they work together, um, not either or. So I would like to um, take and, and unpack a little scripture with you this morning from 1 Timothy 4. And um, before I read the scripture and unpack it, I want to share with you what I want to do. And, but I, I want to start by just sharing a bit of a story with you. And um, now, those of you who know me, you know that I really enjoy tennis. I enjoy sport. And I play tennis. I play tennis at the, at the club down the road in Wellington, a member of the club. And, um, and I play a lot of tennis, but I also enjoy watching tennis. And especially, my favorite tournament of the year is watching Wimbledon. Um, do any of you know what Wimbledon is? You should know. If you don't, we'll pray for you afterwards. Um, Wimbledon is uh, probably the, the most famous tennis tournament in the world. Uh, they play on grass in London, and it's one of the majors. And in July, that's when Wimbledon is played, every year we as a family like to sit around the TV and we watch these guys and girls play tennis. And the best players in the world come together to kind of slog it out on center court. And watching them is just incredible because they carry themselves with such grace and power and skill. And if you've played tennis before, you realize how skillful and how powerful uh, these players are. Now, imagine, you know, I go and we're watching Wimbledon and it's the final and Federer is just beaten Djokovic, depends which fan you are, of, and like, yes, you know, Federer's won. Now imagine the next morning, I decide to wake up and I say, I'm going to go out to my local tennis club this morning, and I'm going to play like Roger Federer. Um, and I decide to go to the number one player in the club. Uh, I've played against him before, but he's like really good. And I say, I'm going to decide to play like him, and in fact, I'm going to turn pro today. And I'm going to just play, I'm going to speak it into being. I am going to play to be a world-class player. And I'm going to speak it over my life. I am a world-class tennis player. I am like a professional. I am like Roger Federer. And I just speak it over my life. What will you think of me? Probably think you've lost it. All right? Because one does not just wake up in the morning after watching someone who's world-class and expect to become a world-class tennis player. You don't just drift out of bed if you look at these players, you see that they've trained for years and years of dedication, of discipline, of devotion, of sacrifice in order to get where they are, not to mention talent, 
which they would have a lot more of than someone like me. Amen? <laughs> it's okay, you can admit that. But, but there's aspects of that. And friends, I want to say that when it comes to becoming godly, and that's what I want to share about this morning, is that God has called us to be men and women of God. But to become a man or a woman of God does not just happen because you choose it to be. It happens, and we're going to look at the scripture now, through devotion and discipline and dedication. There's certain things that are actually required of us in the Lord to become what we are when you get born again, to become a certain kind of person. And you know, one thing I've often said for us as a church um, is that we're not called to be a restaurant where you come in and you get served and we serve you. We're called to be an army base where every single person is all hands on deck in a sense. It's like we're a battleship. All hands on deck. Everyone's involved. Every, there's no superstar. There's, we all are the children of God. We all are men and women of God. That's what we're called to be. And what makes us as Josh Jen, this is what our value is, that all of us are devoted to the things of God. All of us are growing to become men and women of God. We don't have one superstar or a celebrity pastor. Um, although we've got leaders in our midst, each of us is called to become men and women of God. And, um, and just in light of this, I'd like to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And in Paul's writing to Timothy here, and he's writing to him about godliness. And, um, and let's read the scripture together and see what Paul has to say here. And he's writing to Timothy, and he says this to him. He says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And if you look carefully at that scripture, what he's saying, he's saying that you need to be someone who pursues and aims to become godly. And it's something, he says, you can train yourself in. And it's like we read that, it's like, what? I thought just, you know, when we come to Jesus... And we come to surrender our lives to Him, it's like automatically we, are, we become godly. Well, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. But it's some, we're called to become a certain kind of person. And, um, and I'd like to unpack three things from the Scripture with you to unpack what does it mean to be trained for godliness. All right, so number one, this is what, what we're going to pull out. The first thing is that the aim for you and I to become a man or woman of God and I think you have to be convinced about this, is that you have to be convinced that if you are a follower of Jesus, God has called you to become a man of God or a woman of God. God has called you to become someone who's godly. God doesn't want you to settle for second best or to become a pew warmer or just follows the crowd. He wants you to learn to become godly. And he says here, and he speaks about this aspect of godliness. Now, godliness here is referring to an actual quality of how we live. It's not speaking about a state of being. For example, Christians, we believe in what we call justification, which is a Bible word that speaks about our right standing before God. That when you become a Christian, when we become born again, the Bible says that we get declared right in God's sight because of what Jesus has done. This is not what it's speaking about. This is speaking about once you are right with God through the work of Jesus, what he's done for you, then you become the kind of person now that you are. You start to grow to become 
an actual child of God in your behavior, in the way that you speak, in the way that you act, in the way that you think, in the way that you um, feel in many ways. And, um, and so it's an actual devotion to Jesus. And he's saying that become godly and aim for it. Don't settle to become worldly. And you know, over the years, if we look at this aspect of, he says, train yourself for godliness. And then he speaks about godliness is of value in every way. If you think back on your life, you know, I, I don't know how long each of you have been Christians. You, you've fo- followed Christ. But can you think of godly men and women that you've met before? that kind of carry a devotion, a deep devotion to Jesus, that kind of have this attractive quality about them that makes them, they're like God. They, they carry the joy of the Lord. They carry, even in the midst of suffering and difficulty, it's like they, carry, they have faith and, and trust in the Lord, and you know that they really walk the walk, you know? Because I think we all meet people, don't we? They talk the talk. You know, you, you meet them, and they're like, they can quote all the scriptures to you in the Bible. They can give you all the right things. But actually, if you dig a bit deeper, they don't walk the walk. And, um, you know, for me, I've, I've learned from many godly men and women over the years. And one person, I just want to illustrate what godliness looks like, because this is what kind of the word means. I, I've met many, many godly men and women over the years. In a sense, they like, you know, like I mentioned the tennis club. If I go to the tennis club, you know, sometimes I can think that I'm a really good tennis player. And, and you know, I think like, well, I'm an A-level tennis player. You know, like, step aside, here comes Mike Dofe. You know, his bag, he's, he looks, he's, got, he's, he's got all the gear, he looks the part. And I think that I'm good. And I might even beat some players. I might beat my son. <laughs> I might beat one or two other players in the club who are, um, my son's actually got really good. He's been training, actually. He's been training. So, um, but I might beat some players in the club. But let's say I decide to come against the best player in the club. Um, and Massey, I think his name is, and I play against him, I think he's number one. I know I will lose really badly because I've come into contact with someone who's an A-level player, at least in our setting. And I think what happens in, in our faith, we need to come often meet with A-level believers that you meet these men and women and you realize these people carry a level of godliness that's like, oh, it's so attractive. It's, so, it's like, I want that. Do you, ever, do you ever meet people like that? Like, I want that. And I know, you know, one person that I want to highlight, um, that probably is, it's just, I've been so struck by their godliness, has been um, MC Sally, Andrew's wife. And MC, I've got to know really well over the years. We've, um, Andrew that leads Josh Jen, um, the, the, our movement of churches. And we've spent a lot of time with MC. We used to go away with them on weekends as elders. We would spend significant time with them um, in their home. And the thing that I loved about MC, if you know MC, she's grown up, Emma has grown up with a lot of health issues. She was born with spinal bifida. She's had um, a quarter of one kidney. That's her kidney function. She's had significant health challenges. And I've seen this woman grow into be this woman who, she carries this joy of the Lord about her. That I, sometimes I think, feel like, you know, complaining, like, oh, you know, my week was harder. Then I see MC and how much she's had to go through carrying the joy of the Lord. Not only that, but the way she carries herself. It's just the way she honors her husband. Um, I've seen the way that she kind of just loves Christ passionately, and just the way she carries herself. And when I'm around her, I realize, there's an A-level person here. You know, they've learned through suffering what it means to put their faith in Christ, and they find joy in the middle of it. Um, so the aim for us is to 
is, is to aim for godliness. That's what it speaks about. Later on, actually, in Timothy, he speaks about, um, I think it's 1 Timothy 6. You don't have to turn there. For, I think verse 9, he says, but pursue godliness. And it's something we can pursue. So how do we do that? Num- point number two. So number one is that God wants you and I to aim to be godly. In other words, it, are you convinced in your heart, like, Lord, you want me to be a man of God. You want me to be a woman of God. Like, you have to be convinced. This is not just for Timothy, that when it was written, it's written for you and I today. You say, ah, oh, but maybe when I'm, you know, I'm older, then I'll become a godly person. When I'm, you know, maybe when I'm 50. Or when, when I'm a grandfather, then I'm going to become godly. You can be 13 years old, and you can say, I'm determining to be a godly man or a godly woman. It doesn't, there's no age factor to it, friends. So that's number one. Number two on this is how do we, firstly, we aim to be godly. Number two is we train to be godly. Not only aim for it, but we train for it. And it's interesting there, if we go back to that 1 Timothy 4, it says, train yourself, it uses that word, for godliness. And the word train actually speaks about exercise. And uh, in the Greek, it's the word where we get our word gymnasium, gymnazo, that's what it means. And it refers to spiritual exercise in order to become a certain kind of person. Um, You know, these world-class players, if you watch them, you watch how every day they practice their technique, they practice their shots, the areas they weaken, they practice it. They've got a coach that's egging them on. You can do better, come on. And they work at their game, they work at their game. They never think that they've arrived. And in the same way as believers, God wants us to exercise ourselves in our faith to actually serve Him, to follow Him. And, um, and this idea of training for godliness, is, um, it gives this idea of, of discipline and that the Christian life, there's no, there's no shortcut. There's no quick fix. It's not like that if you have one experience, now you become a godly person. It's actually through almost you know, doing the basics well. And we'll look at some of that now, now. Um, there's a, a, a man, Dallas Willard, and I want to read a quote from him that is just so helpful for us. Dallas, Dallas Willard says this about becoming a man or woman of God. And uh, listen carefully, he says this. We are somewhat misled by the reports of experiences by great many spiritual leaders And we assign their greatness to these great moments that they were given, neglecting the years of slow progress they endured before them. Read it again. We are somewhat misled by the reports of experiences by great great many spiritual leaders. And we assign their greatness to these great moments or experiences they've had, but we neglect to remember the years of slow progress that they endured before them. And, you know, sometimes we can look at men and women of God, or people we look up to and we think, oh, but they must have had one experience with God. And that encounter with God changed their lives. That's what made them godly. And while that might be true in in part, because God wants us to meet with Him, He wants us to encounter Him and know Him, but actually behind the scenes, every day, they've had to do certain things well to be shaped to become godly. That they've had to encounter God on a daily basis. They've had to learn how to do the things that we would consider mundane and ordinary. And they would do those things well. Things like getting up in the morning early when we don't feel like it. 
getting before God, spending time in His Word and, and praying and, and being faithful with the, the little things, with their finances and their giving, to be sacrificial, as Dave mentioned earlier, to, to witness with other, to others and to even fast from time to time and to set time aside to study the Bible. These things with the men and women of God that we know, or pass the tests where they've had to forgive people when they don't feel like it, and where there's bitterness in their hearts, they've had to choose to bless their enemies and love those that have cursed them. That in those places, friends, they've done those things well. And the reason they often are mature in the Lord is not just because of one experience, but because behind the scenes, there's been a, a steady growth and a giving of themselves to the Lord. And I think we like to think sometimes we want the, sh the shortcut or the quick fix because it's kind of cool, it's easier. Okay, God, just give me one experience with you and then I'll be changed forever. You know, like just one experience, Lord, and I'll be a new man or a new woman. I, I, <laughs> right? Like, God, if you just give me that, then I don't have to worry about all the other stuff, you know. But God doesn't do that. God purposefully... It's almost like the Israelites. It speaks about that when the Israelites went into um, the promised land, God gave them the promised land to take the promised land and to overcome their enemies. But there's a scripture in Deuteronomy that says, little by little, you will take the land. And somehow God's way, God's way isn't in leaps and bounds and one foul swoop that now you're going to have everything in your whole inheritance. You're going to be changed, a person of character, and be godly somehow in the, in the ways of God, that we become godly little by little, step by step, day by day, making the right decisions. And along the way, God will, you might have a, a, an encounter with Him that will give you, that will renew you and refresh you, and you'll have a power, maybe, a, you know, be filled with the Spirit and a power encounter. But those feelings fade. Um, I, I remember powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit that I've had in my life. I've had some very significant moments with God personally where I've experienced Him. It's like He's in the room with me and it's almost like He's right there in, in such a tangible sense. But you know, those feelings fade. Those experiences fade. Two days later, it's like, I have to get up again. I don't feel like this, but Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to follow You and I'm going to choose to love You. And I think sometimes we think, you know, that Great men and women of God are those who glow in the dark and sleep with the angels, as Wilmore says. Forgetting, like as Dallas Willard says, forgetting that there's a, there's a training for godliness that involves discipline, it involves sacrifice, it involves cost. And friends, if we in our hearts are saying we are prepared to train for godliness, then that, you, that is, that's a wonderful thing. You know, we don't drift into godliness you don't drift into becoming this. Um, we all have choices, and I want to just give some examples here. How many of you know that when you should be reading the Word, or let's say you've got a spare hour. I know some of us, we're all in different seasons of our lives. Some of you are moms with small kids. You know, you've got little kids, and for you, you can't take two hours to go and study the Bible. Um, you can't take an hour to go and pray because your kids generally are they're at you 24-7 right? I, I know what it's like to be a dad. I've had kids. I know what it's like, right? But at that time, is, is, you might have 15 minutes to steal. You might have time here that you can kind of give yourself faithfully in different ways. But I think with all of us, that when we get given time, and, and I'll use some examples here, 
where sometimes we've got time to read the Word of God. But instead of reading the Word of God, we just watch Netflix. And we watch our favorite series. And then you realize, oh, I've watched two episodes of my series on Netflix. And actually, I haven't read the Word of God. Ah! We're not training ourselves for godliness. Or the time when you know God is prompting you to say, my daughter, my son, would you get up earlier to spend time with me? And, you, and it's winter and it's cold and you think, yes, I know I should be getting up earlier, but uh, just a little bit longer. And then an hour later, you're still in bed and you know I should have got up earlier. <laughs> We've all been there, right? And that, it's like, oh, no, okay, I need to train myself godliness. Or when you feel prompted and you felt the Lord prompt you to fast for the day, and you know, okay, I feel like I should be consecrating myself to fasting, going without food. But then you're working from home because it's COVID and, you know, it's the lockdown and you're working from home and every time you walk past the fridge, you get some water, that choc- piece of chocolate cake that's in the fridge is calling your name, you know, Michael, eat me, you know, eat me. And then you go, you, go, you walk past the fridge, it's like, oh, I should be fasting, but ah, oh, and then the draw of that thing that you want and then you end up giving into that. I remember as a school teacher, I used to, um, when I was, I was a full-time high school teacher many years ago, and when I was, I used to, the days that I would fast at school, I would take, you know, people didn't know I was fasting, that would be the day that invariably there would be cake in the staff room. And I remember distinctly the one day, I'd done so well, I'd fasted the whole morning, I was starving, it was like half, it was 1, 1 p.m., and there was one period left, and I was, I'd almost made it to the end of the day. And that day, there was just a feast of cake and Cook Sisters and milk tart. And just one of the parents had decided to give, uh, just to give it all to the, you know, the parents, the teachers. And I remember going there. I was like, God, I can't, I'm so hungry. And I remember just eating. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to break my fast. I'm just so hungry. <laughs> and I remember afterwards, God, I failed you. <laughs> but friends, that happens to us. And, and, and kind of when you're able to make the right choice, and say no to one thing, and you say yes to God in those areas that He's calling you to train you in, that's when we grow in godliness. Um, maybe we're an example where you feel prompted to share and witness to a work colleague, and you've been praying for them for a long time, and you've been building up a friendship with them, or one of your neighbors, and, and it's like finally there's an opportunity where they, they may be asking you a question, and or you, you come into a situation where it's so obvious that you can share with them, or maybe it's a student at school or at university, and you know that this is an opportunity to witness to them and tell them about Jesus. And then you chicken out. It's like, ah. And then afterwards you go home. It's like, why didn't I use that opportunity? I should have prayed for them. I didn't. We've all been there, right? Friends, we know what it's like, but training for godliness is saying, God, help me next time. I'm going to do better. Lord, Give me your grace. I can't do this in my own strength. But Lord, I want to grow to become a man or woman of God. And as we get these little things right, as we grow in these areas, step by step, we, we become more godly. And you look back one day and you say, but look how far I've come. You know, I was spiritually, it's almost like someone that does weights. I, I don't work in the gym, clearly, as you can see. But I know for those who do work in the gym and who do do weights, I think Morris is kind of doing more like weight stuff at the moment, is that first time if you've been into the gym and you're working out, and maybe you haven't done any exercise for six months, you've just been lying on the couch, and then now's the time, it's like the first day after gym, how do you feel? Like you can't lift your arms, right? Like, ah, you know, it's so sore. But then you go back again, 
And then you do a bit more and you, you start with two kilogram weights, you know. It's like there's your two kilogram weights and you're starting up with. And you look like all naffy and weak. But after six months, suddenly you're lifting, you know, 50 kilogram weights or whatever, you know, or maybe 20 kilogram weights. And, and it's like you start small and you walk out and you make decisions every day and you become godly. And friends, this is what Paul's saying here. It says you train yourself for godliness. It's something you grow into and you exercise yourself so that over time we don't become spiritually flabby and spiritually fat. We, we are exercising ourselves to become more like his son, Jesus. And so that's the second thing. I must land. But number one is we aim to be godly. Number two, we train to be godly. And lastly, number three, we take ownership to be godly. And look what he says here in uh, 4 verse if we go back to that scripture, um, 1 Timothy 4, look what he says in verse 7. He says, train yourself for godliness, he says. In other words, the responsibility to be godly is on you. You have to take ownership to be godly. So while you have leaders around you, you've got people around you that might spur you on, it says, come on, you can do it. You can also serve the Lord. You can also be devoted to Him. At the end of the day, friends, it is up to you whether you want to make that decision or not. And you take ownership of that. There's a sense of, I'm going to train myself. And you know, sometimes I've seen so many Christians over the years in leading who point the finger for their lack of growth and the reason that they're not doing well and that their life is falling apart, they, they point the finger at everything else but themselves. They point the finger at the devil. Ah, the devil made me do it. Ah, it's my finances or it's my job. My job made me do it. It's my boss. My boss made me do it. My teacher, oh, you should see my teacher at school. My teacher made me do it. And we, our friends, my friends made me do it. And we, we don't take ownership on ourselves to say at the end of the day, I have to lead myself in the Lord. Because actually the, 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 that's where leadership starts. It starts with us, only you. And the only one that can stop you from growing in godliness, let me ask you this question, what can stop you from growing in God? What can stop you from becoming a man or woman of God? There's only one thing. You. You. That's it. And so if you don't grow in God, it's on you. God has given you everything you need. The Word, the Spirit, the church. If you don't grow, don't point the finger. Don't blame others. Take ownership to say, God, you're calling me to train myself to become a certain kind of person. Why don't we grow? Friends, what hinders us from taking ownership in our lives? Number one, I think a lack of conviction. I think we lack conviction sometimes. We don't really believe God's word. And so we don't grow, right? Number two, a love of comfort. Sometimes we don't take ownership because it's just too hard. It's, it's, we know there's a cost. It's like, ah, I don't really want to pay the price. Or number three, the fear of man. And sometimes we're scared about what other people will think rather than what God says and what he calls us to. And so, in closing, I want to leave those three things with you, is that we, we're called to pursue and believe that God, that God has that for you, to you to advance his kingdom to be a man or woman of God, for you to become godly. 
Do you believe that? that? But it comes through training, by making choices as you grow in Him, and lastly, by taking ownership of your own life and of your own walk with the Lord. And in closing, I, I want to just, you know, um, I said at the begin, um, in the middle of my preach that I, I, I said, imagine I go to the tennis club and I think that I'm an A-level tennis player. And I go around and, and suddenly I, co- I, I come against someone who's really an A-level tennis player and he beats me, six love, six love. And I realize actually that I'm just D-level. I'm just nothing. I'm, I'm bad. In many ways, as we, in our faith, there is someone right now, there's only one person among us who's an A-level player, an A-level person that we call to follow, which is Jesus himself. There's only one person that has completely been perfect in every way, who's obeyed the Father. The Bible says he's without sin. He obeyed the Father perfectly. He loved the Father with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul. He's the one that we look to. And in many ways, friends, we are going to spend a lifetime pursuing the person of Jesus and becoming like him. But if our heart is to say, God, we know that we haven't arrived. And we're not trying to strive. We know that actually I do these things because you love me, not in order for you to love me. And as we do these things, friends, we we look at the one, this perfect man, Jesus, the perfect God-man. And as we look at him, we see that he is the perfect one that we serve and we love and we adore and we worship. That if it was not for Jesus, we would not be here today. That if it was not for Jesus who purchased our salvation, who took our sins on the cross, we could never serve him. We could never become men and women of God if he did not open up the way and take our sins upon him as a substitute for our sins. And we get to serve the wonderful, glorious Lord Jesus. And I want to pray that we would just fix our eyes on him afresh, that as we run our race for him, that we can, we can fix our eyes on Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, that we can love him with all of our hearts. Because ultimately, the aim, our pursuit is Him. And to become like Him in every way. And um, so I'd like to pray for us as we close. Let's pray. Come, Lord God. Yeah, Father, this morning we, we do come before You and we... Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Worship You, Lord. We worship You, Father. Come, Lord. Can I just ask you, let's just, I want you to, you to ask the Lord right now and say, Lord, is there anything that came through this morning that you want to speak to me about? Is there anything, Lord, that you are challenging me on in my faith? Ask him right now. Say, Lord, is there anything that you're putting your finger on right now that maybe you've lost sight of and God is prompting and challenging you again. Just allow him to speak. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. While we're sitting here, I, um, one of the, the fears of mine, I was praying this morning before coming here, one of my concerns is sometimes in preaching a preach like this, 
that we end up striving in our own strength and we forget how much Jesus loves us, in a sense. We forget grace. And the only reason that we can train ourselves is because He's given us His Son already. And that when He looks at you, that if you've put your trust in Jesus, God is enthusiastic about you. He really is, that He loves you. And He's saying, I've made you to be a child or a son or daughter of God. Will you now start to become like I've, I've made you to be? Would you start to become the person you are that I've already bought, made you born again for? You, you already are pleasing to me because you've put your trust in Jesus. But would you now, as, as you are pleasing to me, would you now train yourself to become like me in my son? And friends, it's not, we're not trying to do this in our own strength, in our own striving. We're doing this in the Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus. God, help us. God, would you forgive us where we've become, maybe some have become comfortable and lazy even in their faith. And if you, like me, have been wanting to make a fresh commitment to train yourself for godliness, if you want to make that fresh commitment this morning to train yourself for godliness, would you stand with me? Could I ask you to stand where you are? But if you want to, you want to make that fresh commitment this morning to say, Lord, I want to become a man or woman of God. I don't care about the person next to me. I want this for myself, Lord. I want to grow in God. And just give yourself to the Lord. Just where you are, don't stand unless you mean it. Where you are, open up your hands. It's just a sign of, of surrender. Say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Come. And today, Lord God, today I want to be someone that afresh is pursuing godliness. That I, even if I end up losing the world, but I want to gain my soul. I want to follow you. No matter the cost. No, ma no matter what it takes, Lord God, I'm going to follow you. Lord, no matter if it means laying down my life, I want to follow you, Lord God. Father, would you empower me this morning to come and, 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 and make those decisions, those daily decisions to train myself in you, Lord. Father, would you come and empower me by your Holy Spirit to love your Son and, and be someone that sees the beauty and the, and the awesomeness of Jesus. That you are merciful. You such, and we want to acknowledge this morning that you are such a merciful God. That you're merciful towards us. That you've given us what we don't deserve. That none of us deserve salvation. We know we can't be saved by our works, Lord. We're saved by your work, Lord Jesus, on the cross. Your obedience. And we thank you, Lord, that we're a people that simply trust in you. We acknowledge we need you this morning, Lord. And Lord, we, we, you want to shape us to become flourishing men and women who serve you in our generation, a people who are devoted to you. Come this morning, Lord. We, by faith, even as Morris prayed in worship, we want to be a people of faith. When you come afresh and give faith into our hearts, Lord, to trust you for this. Faith this morning, Lord, to believe you that, Father, we are laying hold of you, even as you laid hold of us, as it says in Philippians. And so we are pressing on for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, for the goal, as Paul says, of the upward call of God. And we're going to lay hold of you, Lord. Lord, maybe there's some today that are struggling with comfort. Would you just shake it off this morning? Man, like you know, it's like hanging on you like a, maybe like a, a hippo that's sitting on your shoulders. This, this, there's this lethargy over you. Would you just shake it off this morning? Just even in faith, just say, I shake it off right now in Jesus' name. I shake it off. If there's any lethargy in me, I shake it off. 
if you, like, just shake it off. Almost like, say, get off me in Jesus' name. Almost like you chase a cat off the, off the stoop, you know. That's your neighbor's cat. Get away from here. Just footsack. In the same way, like, say this to them. Like, God, I'm not going to allow this thing to, to, to dominate over me. Maybe for you it's a fear of man. And you're scared of what people would think. Just say, well, footsack, get away from me. I'm not going to stand for this anymore. If there's any spirit that's come over me, Lord, would you come and give me courage and boldness to serve you in my generation? Friends, if there's maybe even in you a lack of conviction that you don't really know and you don't really believe, would you, would you say, God, help me in my unbelief? Make me believe. Show me. Strengthen my faith in you that I would stand firm in you and believe, Lord. Come and strengthen my conviction. Open up my eyes that I would see your wondrous, the truth in your word. Oh, your wondrous law, as it says in the Psalms. Open up our eyes to see. Oh, Lord, we commit ourselves to you today. We commit ourselves to you today. Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Just, let's just take a few more minutes. Just, just worship him. Where you are, just worship Him. We 